Thanks for tuning into this episode of Through Jeremiah's Eyes. Today, I'm joined by the very special guest who I met at Friday Harbor Laboratories last summer during my previous internship. We're currently in Phoenix, Arizona at a conference presenting the research that we did. Today, we're going to be talking about not only what it means to be Black in STEM and education, but also the battles that we face due to this throughout school and also various opportunities that we have. So, Ayomi-kun, if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Ayomi-kun Kiyade. I'm a senior at University of Washington Bothell. Uh, yeah, I'm a public health major. I'm minoring in biology. And so I've really focused on biology for the past four years. And so I'm going into a PhD program this upcoming fall uh, for evolutionary biology. And so uh, I'll just tell you where what the options are so far. <laughs> so I got into Howard. Um, I got an interview at UC Irvine and Washington University in St. Louis, and then waiting to hear back from uh, University of Washington and Louisiana State. So really perfect, excited. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really excited for all of those. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I was I'm also Nigerian, um, and so fun story I guess is that I was born in so my parents are from Nigeria mm -hmm. obviously and so I was my parents were on vacation and so they they went to my aunt's place and they just my mom was like I'm too pregnant to go back <laughs> <laughs> so she just had me in the U.S. and then we lived in Nigeria for a year and came back to the U.S. and uh, that's crazy yeah so I've so place I was born in Baltimore but I, I've lived in South Bend, Indiana, where Notre, yeah. where University of Notre Dame is, and then Chicago for two years, and then Bellingham, Washington. Uh, my family's been there since 2008. So, so been all over everywhere. Yeah, been everywhere. many many homes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. That's cool. That's cool though. That's something that you can write a book about. That could be like the that could be the intro to your autobiography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about this story. Yeah. Oh, that's dope though. Um. Just a little introduction into or di deep dive into more so of your grad school um, journey that you're about to undertake. Um, what was your first research experience or your first experience within research? Okay, yeah. So, you know, so I'll start with my my very, very first touch into research. Yeah. And so that was back in when was that? That was back in my before my junior year of high school, I think, maybe before my senior year. Mm -hmm. And so I did this camp at Oregon State. Um, it's called SESI. I think it's like a science and engineering, something experience for youth or whatever. And you got to spend like a week or two, I want to say, where you just like helped a professor do research. Yeah. And so it's strictly for high schoolers. And it was I loved it so much. Yeah, I was, about to, I, I was about to say, that sounds dope just being able to be ex even exposed to that in high school because I was not exposed to that <laughs> yeah. in high school. Yeah, and so that, like, from there, I was like, I want to get a PhD. Yeah. Like, I want to do research for the rest of my life. Um, and so while I was there, so at the time when I was in high school, I actually wanted to do mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this robotics lab um, with um, Dr. E. Mingutz, um and so but i don't know if he's still teaching there but um yeah he was just so nice and i worked with his undergraduates and i made like a soft robot like a soft robotic uh it was like imagine like like 
fingers yeah but made out of silicone and air tubes like it was yeah. just yeah it was just really fun um and so that was like my first like first thing but my first serious like research experience mm-hmm. was um at university of washington bothell i'll just call it uw bothell from now on <laughs> um and so that that was i'm still actually working on the project now mm-hmm. And it's on uh, coral microbiomes yeah. and how they relate to disease. And so, yeah, so one, there's one hypothesis about corals and that is that, that's the coral probiotic hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And that is that it posits that there is a symbiotic relationship between corals and like bacteria and just like within that say inside their little polyps. And symbiotic meaning that it benefits both of them. Yeah, benefits. They, so the coral they provide a shelter for like bacteria, and they also so these are like phytoplankton, right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're photosynthesizing, and so the the way that corals are shaped, they reflect all the sunlight that comes through the water, and it makes it so the pr- bacteria can produce even more yeah. sugar, which the coral then uses, so then, and then yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and so... That's a relationship everybody needs to have. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and so, um, looking at, so one, so the probiotic part of it is that the, cor- that the bacteria are actually helping the coral stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we we're, t- we're testing with this project. And so we found actually that, um, well, in preliminary results, that the that an increase in microbiome diversity actually led to a decrease in this disease called skeletal eroding band, which uh, essentially, like, if you if you just like saw a coral, imagine a band straight around mm-hmm. it, just like eroding until you get to the skeleton. So yeah, it's really it's terrible for the coral, but it's really <laughs> it's. It's great that we found that, that we yeah. found some kind of relationship between their microbiome. Mm-hmm. So we looked at like microbiome richness. And so- And what do you mean by microbiome richness? Yeah, I'll explain that, sorry. Uh, so just like the diversity of like organisms that are in the microbiome, like okay. different different bacteria that are there. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my first uh, real big uh, research Research is interesting. Yeah, research <laughs> And I've done a, I've done a few more, but that that's that's one that's really stuck with me and made helped me realize a lot of things about like how I really want to do stuff like copy because all the work I do is computational. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other people on the team that do the actual field work. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I realized I really like working in front of a computer, <laughs> which I realize is not for everybody. But, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And what interests you the most about your research? Is that the most interesting piece of research that you're doing, or is there another one? Um, it's probably like probably like the research that that research right there is probably what would get like most people excited because everybody loves coral, you know, yeah. and you hear about it since you're young. But one piece of research that I'm particularly proud of, I'd say, is um, <laughs> this. Uh, project on the evolution of gill rakers in mm-hmm. surf perches and so i can explain each part of that so yeah i'm gonna say because yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no idea and so gill rakers are these 
so when so you know what gills are right mm -hmm. so when next time next time the listener or you have a fish in front of you you can lift you can see that little flap on the side of their head that had if you lift that up you'll see some little filaments that that will be the gills and on the left side of that or on the other side of the, the gills you'll see these little hooks and so those are called gill rakers and they help filter food out of okay. the water yeah. but they also protect the gills from uh they also protect the gills from getting damaged yeah so they can catch rocks and sand and all that and so that's what i i i'm studying how those how the gill rakers change these little yeah. filters change in a family that happens to be really good for studying that kind of thing yeah. um and so surf perches are like so this the family is called Enviotosidae, and they're this really small family it's only 23 species but they they're they're really ecologically diverse there's like there's a fish um the pile perch i can't um Rickenkylos vaca, if you, if you care for the Orphanaridon vaca at this point. Um, and so it it solely just eats hard shell prey. So it'll eat snails, crabs, all that. And so it it's you you can imagine that the filtering that you need to do for something like snails is super different than what you would need to do for plankton, yeah. for example. Because plankton are just these little bitty things, right? So they're just swim, swimming through the water. You're just catch. So there's fish like, um, what is it? Embiotic lateralis. I, I want to say that's right. <laughs> I should know this. But, <laughs> but um, embiotic lateralis, fi filter feeding primarily. And so it's just catching, it's just, it's just Absolutely, whatever. ram feeding yeah. and catching whatever's going through the water, which is plankton. And so those will get caught um in the gill rakers as well and so what you need like to filter out a snail is super different than fi filtering out these tiny little yeah. tiny little particulates right and so that's that's what i'm trying to study like what it what how how did this how does this filter change with different feeding habits mm -hmm. and so yeah i pre i presented that research um so we're we're at um, a conference right now, and so we, I presented it last at last year's conference uh, virtually. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was really fun. And so, yeah, that's that's probably the work that I'm most proud of because yeah. it's I I started in January 2020, and the project was really just an idea yeah. at that point. And so I've taken it and it's become this it's very super yeah I've taken it and gotten it to a point where it's presentable and you know so. <laughs> Or writing about it so <laughs> i feel great i feel yeah so that's what i'd say that's what i'm most proud of at this point <laughs> that's really dope that's really dope and the conference that we're at is called sicby the society of integrative and comparative biology um in phoenix arizona so we're both presenting some research that we've done and then also networking meeting a whole bunch of different people hearing about their research their opportunities that they have just it's I don't even know. It's, it's crazy. just crazy. It's so it's, <laughs> it's it's the best. Yeah, you get to like it's it's really it's so nice because no matter where you go, you'll find like you can walk into any room and you'll find something really cool. Yeah, and you're learning something some, new all yeah, the time. Learn something crazy. Like I found out today that 
endotherms and ectotherms, things that regulate their own temperature and things that don't regulate their own run temperature, they they just they have the same body. Their body it, temperature is the same. It's not. It's no different, <laughs> which is crazy because like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it logically, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a fact. It's, there's been research done on it. Like that's just the little things that you don't know that you can relate to everyday life yeah and it's just like the world around you you get a better understanding of it yes because we really don't understand anything yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be honest that's that's the thing like as you you as you learn so much more like you just you you realize how much you don't know yes yeah. and so it's but it's a, it's it's you don't know but it's in a fun way yeah it's not scary it's like oh it's like an intriguing interesting like why is this this way why does uh-huh. that affect that and yeah. then being able to deep dive into it, get yeah. told, no, this, what you thought is not right. So you got to go back and try and take it back from square one uh-huh. uh, over and over again. Yep. It's fun. <laughs> That's the career I want, you know? So I get and, to ask questions for a living. So. <laughs> which is fun. Being yeah. able to tackle a whole bunch of different stuff. And the reason that we're here is because of the internship that we did last summer at Friday Harbor Laboratories through the REU Blinks. Um, internship and one of the big things about Friday Harbor was the diversity that was included in our cohort so the directors of the program Dr. Stacy Farina and Dr. Adam Summers they structured the internship in the REU so that it is full of diversity so that minorities and people in underrepresented communities are able to get this type of research experience and that was one of the things I really appreciated about Friday Harbor um, just tying into that, um, how does being Black and specifically Nigerian um, affect your identity to you? And how do you see yourself and also to others, do you think? I know that's like a fully loaded question. No, yeah, this is, it, this has been something I've been pouring over. <laughs> I've just thought about so much in the past, past year. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a really complicated relationship. Because when I lived in Bellingham, that place is like, I think when I moved there, it was about 80-something percent white, mm-hmm. high 80s, uh, still is. And it, like, I was the only Black person at my, like, I was one of, like, two, three Black people yeah. in my grade, you know? And even when I was graduating high school, I, I, yeah, I think it was maybe a total of three Black people in that room that weren't our family members, you know? That's absolutely insane. Yeah, it was crazy. And so, like, I had this really, really hard time, like, negotiating, like, what does Blackness even mean to me? Yeah. Because I don't see it around me. All I have is my family, you know? Yeah. And so, I had this really, like, I just didn't, I really didn't have a great relationship with it. Because all I, all I really saw was that people, like, people just treat you worse you know yeah. and like this that was all I that was all I knew and then like just black people on tv you know like yeah. that's that's te- like that's a terrible representation yeah. of actual black people because like when you meet other black people it's great like yeah. it's like it's, it's like so, I see you you understand me and where I'm coming from yeah. that exact same thing that you're saying just being growing up in a predominantly white area it's just like you don't really understand what it means to be black because I had that same identity crisis type thing yeah and and then 
there's also the fact that I'm Nigerian and I'm an immigrant, right? Yeah, so then that's even yeah. more so. Yeah, and so, like, being an immigrant, there's always this otherness, like, oh, like, I'm not, like, am I American? Like, yeah. I was born in America and I've lived here all my life, but, like, when I go home, that's not, that's not, like, <laughs> mashed potatoes and gravy, you know? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's jalap and poofu, you know? Yeah. Like, so, it's, um, it's a super different, it would, that's, I'm still negotiating it now. Like, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. But um, I think being at the RU was, like, <laughs> as late as it was in my life, you know? Like, I mean, I'm 21, so that's not super late. But, you know, <laughs> um, but it was still, like, it was this really great experience where I got to meet, like, five other Black people. Yeah. Because that's, that's, more, that's more than I've met in Bellingham. Yeah. You know? Like, it's really... There, there's you you see like the occasional black person like everybody that we know is family friends yeah <laughs> like, that's pretty much how it is for me it was like in high school it was the I was taking AP and doing enrollment classes uh -huh. so there's just a few of my black friends that were in there you know the same black people that are taking the same AP and DE classes so that's the only black people I really interacted with I was seen as the white black kid oh yeah uh, so oh, that was God. the whole thing that was um and then same thing it was just family friends were the bl other black people i knew that i was exposed to and then also family which live in north carolina and la and alabama so it's like i don't really see them that often yeah so it's like i'm not exposed to it like that i just hear the stereotypes and yeah. as you're saying like on tv and social media yeah, it's all that it's just, all you got. and then it's like they'll try and spin it so so that black people are seeing it like big and scary and big, scary and violent you know yeah, yeah it's like that's not what it is at all not at all it is everybody's we're just all people yeah. <laughs> we're all just children. Yeah. and so it's it was really yeah so the ru was this great experience for me and like i remember back in back in high school i was like do, should i apply to an hbcu yeah i was like i I mean, like, you know, the people that were calling me the, like, white black kid, yeah, they were white. <laughs> so it was like, the black people don't view me yeah. as white. Like, they, they know I'm black. Yeah. Like, and so it was just like, it was, I like, I totally counted myself out. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I would not fit in at all. Um, and then, like, again, like, it was all, all I saw was black people on TV, black people on social media. Yeah. Like, I had one black friend, you know? <laughs> um, and so, but after that RU, I was like, maybe I should apply to Howard. Yeah. Like Howard is great. Like, like it would be it would be really cool to like have that experience of being with other black people. Yeah, being like, surrounded by yeah, black people 24-7. Yeah, and like just black excellence. Yes. And it's like, and not that let me let me let me hedge that. I know say, exactly what you're like, you, yeah. Black people do not have to be excellent to be valid or whatever. Yeah. But it's still like I really um it would like it's it, it would just be incredible to yeah. be surrounded by that kind of culture yeah. and that and just have that experience and like the the alumni that are from <laughs> howard is yeah. not a, there's no there's no scrubs you know <laughs> like, <laughs> you got thurgood marshall Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> not exactly a bad <laughs> spot to be at you know the vice president went to howard so <laughs> um yeah and just like I could go on and on about the alumni from Howard. Um, but like how many other schools yeah. like produce that kind of 
those that kind of talent. people, yeah. that kind of talent, you know, like, it, like, okay, I won't disparage any of the schools I apply to, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, like, uh, what, I'll skip that, I'll skip, I'll skip that, but, but I, I know exactly what you, you get what I mean, though, right, yeah, so going to A&T, it's like, come from a predominantly white area and then going to A&T, even my first visit, I was just talking about this on my last podcast with my mom uh -huh. about my first visit. And I was just like, I just looked around and I was like, this is like my school. This is what I see in society, but it's literally in reverse. And it's like, that just felt so good. And I saw people doing research. I saw people having conversations, which may seem like a little thing, but mm -hmm. seeing a whole bunch of black people just be able to, chill and have a conversation out in public was like something that I didn't really see yeah so that was like a big thing for me and then also as you were saying like all the alumni and seeing all the stuff that they're doing like there's as the running back for the Chicago Bears he's from A&T oh wow there's just so many uh, yeah there's just there's so much that goes in with being going to an HBCU and just being surrounded by that black excellence as you were saying yeah seeing people not what society portrays us as uh -huh. and seeing them actually doing work and being surrounded by that just makes you be like yeah I can do this I have a community that supports me and that's doing the same thing so I'm gonna keep on going so that I can prove myself to myself yeah. my family to them everything it's just all like it all flows together mm -hmm. and just being at an HBCU it's like I imagine it's just so valid yeah like you're because America's so built around like you you like about it's just so built around blackness being nothing like yes. since the beginning of the country like black people were property yeah black people were segregated you know and so there's still that today but it's still like like it's non-stop yeah and so you're constantly made to feel like you can't you're not no you shouldn't be able to do that yeah like like going back to the me me being quote unquote the white black, the white person, black kid. like it's why why am i why am i quote unquote white yes right? like what is the definition of being white is it because i can articulate myself yeah. because i'm doing stuff that you think that i shouldn't be yeah. able to do it's like, like it doesn't make sense is it because i don't use a v e yeah like, why why is it like i'm not like i don't use a v so a lot you know and so it's just like wh why why are you disarmed by hearing me speak you yeah. know like you're hesitant and then you hear me speak and you're fine mm -hmm that shouldn't be the case you know like you shouldn't there shouldn't have been any, any that like implicit bias yeah yeah disposition that you may have with somebody yeah and so just to like bring it back around like the the u.s and just like just yeah the u.s just makes you feel like you're not supposed to be anything yeah and so being at howard we're full of many people who are something you <laughs> know like people who are doing great things um who are just people you know that are clearly doing well, yeah. you know, you got to Howard, but like, it's, it's very validating to see like, okay, like we're, we are here, we're supposed to be here and we're, we're going to stay here. Yeah. You know, and it's just that support that you feel. Yeah. So I love my HBCUs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, is it ever sort of like an imposter, sin imposter syndrome type feel like, yeah like an imposter syndrome type feel, but because of maybe not because of qualifications or feeling like you're not worthy enough because you're not as smart as somebody else, which is all just like a mental game. Yeah. Um, but more so because of race and how 
like he may feel out of place because of that yeah for like again tying in with the being seen as like quote-unquote the white black kid um just taking that even further into what you're doing now with the research or just even at this conference in general yeah it's um it's really like the i think my like i probably i probably you know okay so i'll say imposter syndrome has probably been an issue for me for a while and i think it was it was initially fostered like i i had always been like a little bit like insecure about myself you know <laughs> since i was like a kid but i remember there was there was a few instances where like they were really like oh my god i'm i'm not supposed to be here yeah. you know um thankfully i got through them but you know um so sixth grade i was in so going into sixth grade there was like a uh aptitude test or whatever mm -hmm. to see if you could take um seventh grade like put on so the, like the advanced class. yeah the advanced math yeah. classes it was yeah it was like strictly for math like you're placing the advanced math classes and you just keep going on yeah. i ended up taking like calc bc in high school right um ap calc bc anyway um but i was placed i wasn't i didn't initially test into the seventh grade math program mm -hmm. so you would take seventh grade math at sixth grade and so i didn't put test into that at first and but my fifth grade teacher uh miss pritchard shout out miss pritchard <laughs> um miss shirley pritchard she's incredible she's teaching at high school now i actually just connected with her recently oh, to thank her because i was like hey i got into a phd program amazing should, yeah <laughs> but i should let you know you know the reason why you, i'm here <laughs> um but so she wrote a letter to actually get me into that class oh that's dope. <laughs> yeah. um and so i was placed into seventh grade math and i was like what am i doing here like i'm not supposed to be here yeah. um but i was like you know what cool I'll, I'll just do it and then i remember parent teacher conferences came around and i was getting like b pluses on average b's um and the teacher was like i think i think uh should switch into sixth grade math and i was like I, I, wild. I, I was a big crier back when I was younger <laughs> and I just sobbed. I was, I sobbed. I left the room and I was like, what? Oh, I was like, I was so, I was just in distress. And then that's crazy. Yeah. Like imagine hearing that when you're like 11. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, what, how do you tell the kid that? Yeah. Right. And so I found out later that the other underrepresented minority who was Latino, yeah, he was asked to leave the classroom nobody else was asked there were kids that were getting worse grades than me that were not asked and they ended up dropping the class that's wild. yeah and so it was just like that's that whole systemic thing yeah it's just it's it's everywhere it's everywhere and so that that was like every day after that during that class i was like i shouldn't be here i'm not supposed to be yeah. here i'm not supposed to be here um he later apologized for it um but he didn't apologize to me. He apologized to my parents. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had a meeting. It was a big meeting. It was, yeah, I was like, yeah. that's crazy. Somebody would even say that not yeah. only to a kid, but then also for the reason it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, I think it was sixth grade where I, I won't, yeah, I won't say the names of the teachers, but sixth grade, uh, English, I, I wrote, I wrote an essay. It was, I don't know, it was an essay or something like that. And uh, I, the teacher was like, hey, 
uh, did you cheat on this? I was like, no. Like, I, I think I got, I think at the time I got confused and was like, yes, <laughs> or like something. <laughs> like where I, I did not, I like, I never cheated. I did not cheat through middle school. Yeah. You know, like middle school is not the place to cheat. <laughs> but, but I was like, I, I think I just got like really overwhelmed and yeah. said something. But she like publicly embarrassed me in front of my entire class. It was like, why would you cheat? Why would you cheat? Why would you have someone else write this for you? I was like, I, 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 I didn't know. <laughs> and so what 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 had actually happened was I got confused. <laughs> so I, there was a point where I was like so exhausted from typing that my mom was like, you say the words, I will write them out for you. And so it was clearly my, it was my work. Like yeah. she didn't change anything. She, like I saw her typing it, you yeah. know? But it was, it was too like, but I was like, yeah, someone wrote it for me. No, I wrote it for me. <laughs> yeah. so, I'm, it was text to speech before text to speech. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, yeah, that, that was, but she apologized for it later, but it was still like, you, you're not supposed to get this good. You're not, your writing's not supposed to be this good. Yeah. It, it can't be this good. You must have cheated your way through it. You know? And it's like that at the impactful years of your life when you're yeah. like going through trying to, figure out who you are in this world and trying to actually learn stuff and then you're like oh i'm learning stuff but you're not supposed to learn stuff this well yeah like it's just it's wild it's ridiculous and it it even extended to high school <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> but I, I tell you that like it being in bellingham was rough for me like it was non-stop like just people reminding you yeah. you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be good or whatever you know and so, unless it was sports, yeah. Oh, then you then then you then you should, then you should, then you should be amazing. <laughs> yeah, you're not you amazing, great. then there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so and then it's also if you're good at sports, then it's because you're black. It's not because yeah. you actually put in time or effort. No, it's just because you're actually nice at said sport. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember my AP Cal teacher. Um, it was for AB, AP Cal KB, the first AP Cal class, and I. I, I like again I like I think I got a B plus in that class but the teacher was like I think you should drop the class and I, like I think you should I think you should retake it next year I was like no there is no, no need. <laughs> absolutely not yeah. I made it this far yeah. like I'm doing and you if know? you're doing well in it yeah I, I wasn't doing poorly yeah. like I mean the other kids did better but I was still like that's like a B plus is not bad. yeah and so I yeah, so B plus, and then I ended up getting a four on the AP test. So, See, really, so what you, I, I did pretty well. Yeah, look at me now. Yeah, look at me now. I'm doing a B. I'm about to do a PhD. Okay, <laughs> so take that, uh, Mister. <laughs> I almost said his name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying no name drop. Unless they're supportive. No name drop. But yeah, so that's so that um that's like the start of it, but. I'd say I'll I'll try to make the rest of it brief. The I I've dealt with imposter syndrome, yeah. and it's not helped by the fact that the expectation for black people is low, yeah. and that it's that you're not supposed to exceed that ex low yeah. expectation, or else you're doing something wrong, or you're 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 cheating your way through the system. You know, yeah. Like this, oh my God, you can you never stop hearing about people yes. be like. Oh, they got that job because they're black. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. Oh, it drives me crazy. I remember oh. I was on Instagram one time, and someone was like, "I bet you got your, 
I bet you got into your school because you're black. Oh. I was like, oh my god, what uh, in the world? So, like, I did pretty. I, I got. I ended up with a three point five in, in uh, high school. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't a scrub. You know, <laughs> like, I, 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 I held my own. You know, so it's still. It's just like you never hear the end of it. Yeah, and then. Gosh, I remember there was, there was this tweet recently, um, and it, it this this is about women, but it was just like this guy was like uh, half of women shouldn't like like were hired over oh, yeah over yeah, over, over, over more, more qualified, qualified men. men yeah it was ridiculous like it's just like like the patriarchy you, and how do racism you have just the mindset of yeah they just dominate yeah. dominate the U.S. And well, no, dominate everywhere, everywhere, really. Yeah. But it's just like in academia, you really, really feel it. You feel it, yeah. Because it's like academia is supposed to be a meritocracy, right? Like you're supposed to be, you got here because you did well. Yeah. And so, like, every, like people, people will never think, oh, they were hired because they did well. Yeah. Because, oh, they're hired because she's a woman or yeah. hired because she's black or hired because he's black or whatever, you know? And so, or just hired because they're a minority or yeah. yeah it's just ridiculous um and so that's it's really really hard to deal with and then you hear about your friends and you're like oh like you just want it to be better and so that's something that i want to I, wa- I really want to do um yeah. like bring more minorities into stem so we can deal with less of the uh, uh less of the less of the uh constriction and uh, challenges and battles yeah it's just the weight because when when you when you have when you have someone be your boss, there's no question about whether yeah. you're uh, whether they're qualified. Yeah, they're your boss, you know. So, you know, like when you see people all around you, it it definitely makes it feel less um, like being at HBCU. Yeah, you're surrounded you by other black al- people. You feel like, less alone. In yeah, the you world. feel less alone. You feel less. You feel like you're here because you're valid. Yeah, you're like you you've made it here for a reason. And you have that community. Yeah. And that other people can see they're here for a reason. Yeah. You know? So that's that's a big thing for me. That's yeah, that's thing. one of the things that happened to me in high school. Uh, <clears throat> like, imposter syndrome. It was like, I got like faint hints of it. But my mom and dad, they always were like, no, you're doing well. You may have to work two to three times harder, 10 times harder, to be honest, yeah. just to be seen as equal to your peers. Um so that was something that helped me fight imposter syndrome and everything. Yeah. But I can, I'm not, I can't forget like this one day in high school, I was in a library and everybody, it was my senior year. Everybody was talking about where they got into and all this different stuff. And I got a full ride scholarship to A&T. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is cool. I don't have to pay for college. <laughs> and, then, and then I it was just, we were walking with a few people in, or I was walking with a few people in the library. And somebody said that it was because of um, affirmative action oh, that I got yep. the scholarship. I was like, there ain't no uh, way you just said that. Yeah. You don't know what my GPA is. You don't know what my class rank is. You don't know what my <laughs> SAT score is. You don't know what my ACT score is. I'm not telling you for a reason, <laughs> yeah. but just because you don't know doesn't mean that I shouldn't get something just yeah. because I'm qualified for it. It's yeah. you can say it's affirmative action. You can say whatever it is, but that's still uh 
probably, probably about a hundred thousand dollar investment that somebody's making yeah. into me because into they you. believe in my future and my dreams and what I've done. Yeah. So clearly it's not just, oh, because you're black. Yeah. That's money. So yeah. you don't just throw money at nothing. Yeah. So I'm not nothing. I don't think I'm no, nothing. absolutely. Not. <laughs> not Knowing you, absolutely. Not. <laughs> but that's that's literally the I think I feel like that's like the one moment that I was like, yeah, this is crazy. The yeah. world is even crazier than I thought. Because to be able to say that to me to my face, it's you can crazy. you can hold that. Yeah, I'm straight with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but speaking of you saying that you want to be able to change that in the future, um, what changes or thoughts? pretty much like advice would you give to schools about making minorities like ourselves feel more comfortable whether like if they make an REU or just in general high schools middle schools colleges just to make the environment more comfortable that's a really really good question and thank you (laughs) (laughs) I think like there's oh there's so much to do but I think the way I I plan on making my little dent mm-hmm. in this massive massive issue. We all got to keep. On. Yeah, we, we like this has to be an all hands on deck effort. Yeah. You know, like everybody has to be in for this to work. But I think I think one thing that you like I always heard for other people like in this field is always like I really like just like how they got, how it was fostered, like, I'm a biologist, right? Yeah. So the, the, the love of biology was fostered at a very young age. And so um, I think it's really important to do that. And I think it's also important to foster that at later stages, because yeah. I, I thought I was going to do engineering from the ages of eight to 18. And then I took a public health class and I was like, I like this. And then, because <laughs> once you're exposed to it, yeah, once you're exposed you're, to it, your mind can change just completely. Yeah. And so um, I think I like, I, one of my dream jobs is to work in a museum and yeah. be a curator. And I think tailoring, like, tailoring like museum exhibits to those who are underrepresented yeah. is, would be great. Yeah. That would be amazing. Like, for example, um, I'm make, coming up with this off the top of my head, but like, if like, let's say you're, I'll, t- I'll take my, I'll take my city for example, um, or no, no, let's take Seattle. There's Duwamish land. Yeah. So what, what fishes were like, were used, were like used in that area by the native people yeah. of that land. That is a great thing to like, that's a, that's showing That's connecting people, to the culture. Connecting to the culture that you're, you're the, whose land you're on, yeah. you know? And so that's just like a little thing or just just like little things like that. Like showing people that they are, that they are a part of this. Yeah. They're like, it's not, it's not just the white people, Darwin, Tom, uh, Thomas Huxley. Yeah. It's not all these, like all these white people that you see on, in that are making these exhibits like you need to see like hey everybody like, that had a part in it everybody's like the people that are making these exhibits are people that look like me yeah you know or people that care about people that look like yeah me. or i think that's really important i think getting people obviously 
it's hard to get people in when, yeah. you, do, when you don't have efforts at the beginning. So I think museums are a great way to do that. You expose a lot of people. You can and it's have, fun and interactive. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, who doesn't love an yeah. a museum, right? So I think you can really, you can really, you can, you can connect with a lot of people that way. Yeah. Like, I was amazed when I saw a T-Rex when I was in the Chicago, <laughs> and I saw the T-Rex uh, in the in the lobby. Cause you're like, whoa, that, this thing is gigantic. Yeah. Like <laughs> this thing was living at yeah. one point, and now it's in a museum. Yeah. Like I. I remember, yeah, it was just like this wonder that I had, but I, yeah, like, I will not lie, like, being in Bellingham, all, like, all my teachers were white, you yeah. know, um, and so it's like, I didn't see myself represented yeah. by the people who were interested in history or interested in uh, biology or whatever, yeah. and so I just never considered it, you know, um, but I knew that they were black mechanical engineers, yeah. so I was like, okay, you know, but I still, I, I enjoyed mechanical engineering, yeah. but um, I think, yeah, my my little dent that I'll make into this big problem, I would like to do museum work, and I would also like to get uh, underrepresented students into research, Yeah, because I think a, I think a really, really big problem is just like, access to research yeah you know there's plenty how many smart kids how many incredibly talented kids just didn't get an opportunity yeah you know like just didn't get the opportunity at their university yeah and so i think programs like the reus yeah i was about to say like that like fhl that's like that's one of the big things that i liked about that was that they were actually giving people in underrepresented communities that from minorities that they're giving them that chance to be exposed to research. Like my first little tap into research was at North Carolina A&T my freshman year, but that also got cut short because of COVID. Oh yeah. So I was barely in there. And then now this REU is like a whole new world is open. I didn't know that how PhDs worked. I didn't know you had to go and talk to a PI and find a PI. I didn't know that you had the, like all the, the grad school application. I didn't know applying to grants you did that for grad school yeah i didn't know you get paid from grants uh -huh. i didn't know all the resources and everything that you had to do for research it's just like a whole a whole nother world it that is. you don't hear about and you only hear about the discoveries from old white guys yeah and general. you also just hear about it in the news and yeah. so in the news it's it's very much like oh scientists discover this like yeah and you never hear like the grueling hours that yeah. took up that took that like made that or the people that like you never really hear about the you don't hear about the research assistants yeah. you don't hear about all that but um yeah i think programs like the ru are like the ru program from the nsf is are great because it brings in minoritized students that were that like i think like even then like i think like i'm not gonna lie i benefited from this like having research experience already yeah. you know i did choral stuff and i did um, my I've had my Gilraker project since 2020, since right before the pandemic, and it's like I think there there are let me let me just hedge this by saying there are programs that do prioritize students that uh, don't have research experience. Yeah, but I think that can it it can become a problem. Yeah, and I think I think it in my opinion I think that is a problem in academia that we prioritize people that have 
like there's there's such a heavy prioritization of people that have experience that the people that you like okay so let, let's let's say let's take for example um okay you're saying like the development kind of like yeah, once you so, like once you expose people to it and then they're interested in it and want to keep on going with it that you're not putting in the time to or resources to develop them yeah so, it's like, like it's like um you like a grad school wants to wants to take its safest bet mm -hmm. you know like it's it just wants to it wants a student that's going to come in do research yeah get get like get them grants <laughs> and get out <laughs> you know in like five years yeah um or six years you know whatever in a reasonable amount of time and so like and you like at least some, like you you get prioritized like I was prioritized because I did research already. Yeah. But in all honesty, I didn't need that. Yeah. I probably like I probably could have gone into grad school with my with the research that I already had. But this pushed me over the hump. But the, like, what about the student that didn't have any research experience? Yeah. That just really needed something. Yeah. Like, where's where's that for them? And that was you know? one of the things for me trying to figure out like how I'm supposed to get experience when I don't have experience to show that I'm interested in it. I can tell you all day, but if you don't actually believe it, if you weren't shown it, then that's more of a risk for you. Yeah. But at the same time, that risk kind of needs to be taken. Yeah. Cause we're like the people that who, the people who have access to research experience are usually affluent people. Yeah. Because you can, you like, if you can afford not to have a job while you do research, you're clearly then in a position fine. you're fine yeah. you know like my parents are paying for my college yeah and they're paying for my housing so i'm able to do stuff like research yeah but if i didn't have a job there's no way i could get research yeah. done. there's absolutely no way and school no and so it's just like so we i think i think that's something science really needs to take a look at is like what who are we prioritizing yeah um because if we keep prioritizing the people that have access, we're just going to end up in the same place we we started. Affluent, rich, like uh, affluent and rich. <laughs> affluent, <laughs> affluent white people. We like we we need we need and people that affluent white and parents that have that are like people legacy. that are not first gen. Yeah, you know? legacy people. Yeah, yeah like. People that have people that are first gen, people that are in minority groups, people that are not that are not like rich, yeah, or not affluent, can't like it's it's so much harder. Any situation that's not just perfectly yeah. ideal, yeah, it's like it just makes it ten times harder to even be able to do anything. And then yeah, already being a minority, that's a whole nother thing. Yep. So it's it's just like things tech on one after another uh -huh. and that's that whole exposure thing trying to expose people yeah and then also from a young age just being able to try to expose people yeah because as you were saying how impactful some of those things that your teacher said like imagine if they said something positive and yeah. they were trying to be helpful like that simple thing that emotion that you were filled with that was negative emotion what if that was positive emotion you don't even know what that could have done for a kid yeah and there's so many kids that are told that day after day and that don't have that support system and backing them uh -huh. and that aren't as fortunate. So just being able to have that exposure, being able to have that support, just giving that chance to those people 
uh, I feel like it's pretty much invaluable at this point. Yeah. And even to this day, like in high school, the new Af uh, National African American History Museum that they made, uh -huh. I went there through this, I, this program called I Am Inspiring African American Males. Uh -huh. So at the high school, it was a group of African American males and we would go to a local elementary school and we would take some of the black male students from out of their classes and be able to help them with their homework, talk to them about life, about just everything in general, just so they can see that there are people in the high school that are pursuing their education. Um, also doing sports because a lot of them were interested in sports just that they can be what they want and they can do what they want to. Um, but we were able to go to the National African American History Museum and just that like exposure to that, even as a high school student, that was like, this is crazy. I didn't even know that we had this rich of history. I wasn't taught this. It's like crazy. You yeah. don't you don't know like how how much black history is just painted over us, just covered up. Mm -hmm. just because they try and hold us down at the end of the day yeah um are you talking about the smithsonian one? uh yeah yeah i went there with my girlfriend and that was incredible it's that was incredible. insane and then um at a t pretty much the same thing just being exposed to that it's just you don't see that every day and when you're exposed to it no matter what age you're at that just gives you more motivation so that's one of the things that i also want to do be able to make programs and be able to make so as you were saying you want to be able to curate for me the amount to be able to have or build up a business and name this why i do a whole bunch of different stuff i'm interested in a whole bunch of different things mm -hmm. but be able to tie it all back into being able to have the funds to be able to say that you want to make be a curator for the museum you want to be able to have like the creative control over the museum and programs and everything be able to have you and a team of people and then give you guys the funds to be able to give you guys the resources, the facility to be able to make stuff like that happen. Cause that's just like, that's so needed in today's world. And I just want to, I feel like that's my way of trying to make an impact. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure. trying to gather all the resources to be able to make sure that everybody can do what they need to. Yeah. I think it's, I think, I think people, the great, as hard as it is, I think a, one great, silver lining is that people there's people already doing it yeah you know there's people really really trying um and that's more motivation that's like i can see it happening so it's like why can't that be me too yeah why can't i be I the next person the party yeah. you know? <laughs> so, like everybody everybody come on come on come on we're yeah. gonna make this happen yeah so yeah that's that's the big thing make programs get people involved yeah. at an early age those are the big things. Has any of that approached your search for grad school or what grad school you're picking, whether they have programs or how comfortable they make you feel or if they're making efforts in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, or in yeah. diversity, <laughs> equity, and inclusion? Yeah, that was that was actually something that it played it, it played a big part in like what I was doing. Um, one thing. One thing that was a, that was pretty important to me uh, throughout this process was that I find a mentor that has worked with people of color before. Yeah, like there is no way that I'm working with someone that only works with white people. Yeah. you know, like that's there's there's enough people of color in our field in 
evolutionary biology, yeah. which is so, so broad. There's enough people. That there's a question to, to be asked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's not by chance. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, you're, you're centering, like, these, this one group, you know? Yeah. And so I, that was something that was important to me. And so that, that was kind of tough because there was, like, sometimes where I was like, I, this person is cool, but I, like, can I, they don't, they have no history of pe- working with yeah. people with people of color. So I just, um, yeah, I, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's something that played a part in, um, in my search. Uh, gosh. Well, yeah, and then like having, having diversity programs or programs centered around diversity was really important to me. Um, and so looking at looking at the DEI uh, statements, yeah. of, but you know, like it, some can be buttered up. Yeah, some know. can be some can be not. You, you can you can tell when someone's they're just making up fluff, yeah. you know, or when they don't have a DEI statement. That's a big yeah. concerning. Yeah. Um, not too worried about Howard, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. That's that's something that definitely played a part in uh, picking schools, picking professors that I want to work with, yeah. um, and making sure there was um, this one advisor that I was talking to, um, and so he he was great, and he was like even from from the jump he was like he he was like I I know as a white man I will not fully understand like all of your all the things that go on in your yeah. life. And so I want to make sure that there's things available for you at the school. And like, there's, there's people at the school that can help you go yeah. through whatever this is. And I'll try to help you however I can. And I was like, this is a guy that gets it. He yeah. understands that he does not, he, he understands that he understands, he doesn't that understand. That he doesn't understand. Yeah. yeah. And so like, just little things like that were like, so. And that means so much because a lot of people don't go out of their way to say something like that. Yeah. But that means that can mean the world. That can be the that could be a game changer on how you view somebody. Yeah. It was definitely like it was it was really it I wasn't super interested in his lab at first because I was like, ah, this research uh not not super my thing. But I've I've I think it's I mean his research was super cool, his brain stuff. Yeah. But it's just like it's like evolution of the brain type stuff. Yeah. But it's just like that was like, okay. Even even if I'm not super into the research, he's a great this mentor. Is some, he's gonna be a great yeah. mentor. Um because he because that's that's a that's a point where I see where I hear a lot of people struggling with. Like where they talk like you see like there isn't a day on Twitter where you don't hear about like oh, someone's I, mentor being like something just doing something, you know, or like not understanding. And it's just like that's exhausting. Yeah. So, or, and that challenge can be more so, or it can be worse than doing some not not doing exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know. Maybe doing something that you didn't think that you wanted to do could turn into something that you're like, "Whoa, this yeah. is amazing." Plus, learning new stuff, you can relate it to absolutely anything. To yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, and that's that's the big part of a PhD. Like you, what what your professor does is not exactly what you have to yeah. do. Like. And so I was a bit naive to that, but um, it was just, 
yeah, I, I'm willing to do, I'm, willing, I'm more willing to do his kind of stuff now. <laughs> yeah. I know he's a great advisor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And I hope the best with everything grad school wise and all of that yeah, i'm, I'm looking it. at the same thing with vet school just trying to figure out the dip well i'm looking at more so program wise because it's more so kind of like undergrad i yeah. guess because i'm trying to get into a school it'll be more so working like undergrad i guess just yeah. more classes harder classes more specific um but looking at the diversity numbers as you were saying diversity statements looking at different programs that they have and stuff that they're doing and then one of the things that I actually did while I was at Friday Harbor this past summer, I went through vet schools that I was looking at their staff directory. And then I came up with a list and then like, I don't even know how many people, uh, <laughs> over 70 people. Um, oh my God. And then of course it was just every, it was a whole bunch of people, whether they were like deans or professors or the chair of this department, chair of that department. But I also looked through the staff directory and made sure that I at least emailed a few black people that were working there, whether they were in the education department or in the veterinary medicine department or whatever department that they were in, but just making sure that they were black to be able to have a meeting with them, be able to ask their experiences and everything. Cause that type of thing is meaningful to me in my search for what vet school I'm going to be going to next. Yeah. Just like you were saying, it's, it's a big part of, what could like i guess make or break what you your feel experience. about your yeah yeah exactly yeah because i don't like i don't know if i could tolerate someone for five years yeah so that's a long relationship yeah and then know? grad school that's like with the mentors like yeah you're really you're gonna close be with these people. you're gonna be working with them that's a relationship that you're gonna have to maintain and make sure that it is kept well yeah. and it's healthy because you're gonna be working with them for the next however long and a phd is not short at yeah. all no, not at all not at all i am committing to the next five years of my life so it sounds dope though it sounds dope though yeah. so a tradition that i do to wrap up the episode i have two questions the first question being uh what three things do you live by or your three keys to life three keys to life you're ending up with the real big questions <laughs> um the next one may be worse <laughs> Keys to life. Oh my god, I don't reflect enough. This <laughs> okay. First key, just really being honest. Yeah. Really be just be honest with yourself. Be honest with the people around you, because that's it's so hard to keep up. Like, like I'll just tie back real quick. Like just like being. Being surrounded by people that say, oh, you're like the whitest black guy, whitest black guy. Yeah. And then me finally being like, stop, you know? Like, that's me being honest about, like, with myself, like, this is hurting me. Yeah. And, like, being honest with them, like, yeah, you know. And this speaking is your, up for yourself. Yeah. yeah, speaking up for yourself. Um, Just being, and honesty is just really, like, my relationships, friendships, all that have, like, really thrived on what makes them strong is that I can be honest with them and they can be honest with me. Yeah. It's so I important guess, with everything. Yeah. Any relationship. Yeah. Any relationship. Uh, even being honest with professors, you know, all that. Uh, so that's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Second one. 
Can I, can I stick with one? I feel like that's my best. <laughs> that's my best content. <laughs> maybe, maybe, really like, I might be able to come up with. I might be. I might be. <laughs> I think that might be all I got. All right. Yeah. The second one: If you could have a conversation with a twelve-year-old you, so like, oh, just getting into high school, what would it be about, and what advice would you give, and why? God, twelve-year-old me was a mess. Oh my <laughs> goodness. What was that? I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. What would I tell my twelve-year-old self? Yeah. What conversation would you have? What advice would you give him? And those impactful years. Those those were those were some tough years. <laughs> <laughs> but I would probably I'd probably say like it, it'll be okay. Like like I know right now it's really hard and you don't know how to you're not super equipped to handle everything that's around you but you'll figure it out like i uh, that's really it's hard to hear you'll figure it out when you're in the really tough time of your life but um yeah there was a lot there was a lot that happened that year um but trusting trust your gut trust the people around you that you know you should know you could trust you know um yeah trust your gut and it'll all be all right that's what i would say to my 12 year old self yeah we love that yeah that's great advice (laughs) (laughs) because that's also something that i would always like that i try and think of now it's taking a step back and be like It'll all work out how it's meant to work out as long as you keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. And just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and being a great friend in general as well. Thank you for having me. This has been been great. It's great having you as a friend. I'm really, I'm really happy to have done this podcast. This is really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Anything you would like to promote, shameless plug, things you have going on that you like to say something about, last words you like to leave with the audience. Shameless plugs. Ooh, follow me on Twitter, Twitter. man. Follow I me on Twitter. Gonna, I knew you were going to say that. I am Mikumoa. A-Y-O-M-I-K-U-M-O-A. Follow me on there. Follow me on Instagram, man. Uh, <laughs> what is my Instagram? Same thing. Same deal. Uh, same same tag. Um, yeah, that's all, that's all I got to promote. <laughs> I knew you were going to promote your Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's definitely. Yeah. If you want some good Twitter. science content, that'll be, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. <laughs> And then my Instagram is just me posting like once every four months. <laughs> so <laughs> if you like the occasional uh, treat, <laughs> all of me there. Uh, I'm geek. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much again. Uh, be on the lookout for more episodes and also stay tuned for all the special guests that I will have on in the future. I'll continue to have amazing conversations with incredibly dope people that I've met throughout my many adventures through life. Also, Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Through Jeremiah's Eyes for updates and more content. And it would be amazing if you could also like, share, and subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss an episode and we can continue to grow this community. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to see you in the next episode for another loop through my eyes. See you soon. Peace.